there's a difference between a failure and a fiasco. A failure is simply the non-presence of success. Any fool can accomplish failure, but a fiasco. A fiasco is a disaster of mythic proportions. A fiasco is a folktale told to others that makes other people feel more alive because it didn't happen to them. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Yeah, you know what, uh, you would think, I use that little clip from uh, the movie Elizabethtown, for those of you that have never uh, made yourselves uh, familiar with that one, it's another Cameron Crowe, the guy that did uh, Jerry Maguire and many others. Um, you know, because I, I think what's happening in Washington, D.C., the Democrats are so excited, look at what's happening, it's falling apart, I was so happy to see this going on. I think they're, uh, I think just what's going on is just kind of a little bit of the normal, the normal transition of business, of the economy, of everything that's going on. And uh, everybody needs to just, hey, stop trying to make a big deal out of something small. These are the, na- hey, interest rates are going up. Oh my God. Guess what? That's the natural happening when the economy is getting good. You know what? If you listen to the, uh, Listen to the uh, National Association of Realtors or the California Association of Realtors. You know what? If we don't, if we lose our our uh, inc- our uh, interest deductions on our income taxes, no one will buy houses. I say, hey, you know what? People don't buy houses because they get tax breaks. They buy houses because they have jobs. People want to own. People don't want to live in a rental house that their landlord can tell them when they have to move. If they want to fix something on the house, they can. I mean, I guess renters like the one thing that the one thing that renters do like is that uh, uh, when something breaks, they can call the landlord to fix it. But you know, if you want to if you want to change the color, or you want to change this, or you want to change that, or you want to remodel this, you know, why would you do it to a rental house, not yours? But people love to own. This is America, folks. This is what we do. So anyway, uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about the fiasco that's going on in in uh, Washington D.C. And all that goes with it. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Located here in Southern California, offices all over the place, landing in California and Arizona, soon to be a few more states, working on those. Uh, if you want to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and although the rates are going up, there are fantastic opportunities still out there, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. Was that four times or three times? I lost count. Um, so anyway, if uh, you want to talk to me but you don't want to talk on the phone, you can go to WCCLoans.com, www.wccloans, L-O-A-N-S.com, and uh, there's, get all kinds of mortgage information there. You can click on the Loan Center and click on Apply Now. Give me as much information as you want me to have and uh, tell me how much information you want back. And you'll hear back from myself or one of my teammates, and we will help you uh, find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Well, you know what? I got this debt, and I got that debt, and I'm thinking about, should I sell my houses, or should I just refinance them, or should I do this, or should I do that? You know what? I got a bunch of rental houses, and I'm getting up there, too. Me and Don are thinking about, hey, 
what does retirement mean to us? And uh, saying, hey, we've got seven rental houses and two vacation homes in our house and big commercial property that's rental. And what's our plan here? What's our plan here? You know, I've been paying paying down on my house, on my primary house, because I don't get any tax benefit from it. And for those of you that make money, well, how come you don't get any benefit from your ta- from your interest deduction? Because, well, I don't know about with the new tax plan, but you guys go check with your with your tax guy. If you make more than 260, 270 in there, have him do your taxes and then and put in your interest deduction from your house and say, hey, before you before you print that thing out, take out my take out my interest deduction and tell me how much I have to pay now. And guess what? It won't change because the alternative minimum tax kicks in, kicks in. And and once you get to a certain point, your alternative minimum tax eliminates that deduction. Oh, but I get to write off. Yeah, you get to write off, but it just doesn't do anything. Same thing with your property taxes on your primary house. The reason why I'm paying my house off really fast. Say, hey, I got a bunch of these rental houses. I'd like to just do that. Then I have better cash flow. Eh, I get a tax deduction for that. And of course, uh, there's that reverse mortgage thing Don and I are, are uh, have been considering, but I really just want to pay it off first and then do a reverse mortgage on it. Put, it. put a lifelong credit line on it, always available, never has a payment. So anyway, if, if you're thinking any of this kind of stuff for you, if you're confused about if you should do something, you shouldn't do something, refinance this house, pay off two houses, have a couple of tax, couple of them tax-free or uh, uh, mortgage-free, should I do this, should I do that? You want an opinion of someone who thinks like you? Call me, 855-640-2020 or WCCLoans.com. If you hear something on the show that you want repeated, you can get the uh, repeat of this show and many past shows on edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. And uh, go to the podcast page. You can hear the this show as many as well as a few past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, and you can uh, go on go on there and actually subscribe for free. Have it download once a week. We upload it on on uh, once a week, and it'll automatically download to your device, your uh, your phone or your computer, whatever you listen to podcasts on. Uh, also, uh, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long sometimes more viciously than others and like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. And uh, lastly, if you want to leave me some comments, if I say something that inspires you uh, or something that makes you mad, go to the listener hotline, 855-640-2092. That's not the, not the same as the other line, but it's a re- chance for you to record your message. Um, got a lot of responses in the last couple of weeks. Um, if I have time, I'll play some of those. Uh, but you know, put speak clearly just in case, just in case I play you on the radio. Hey, so let's talk about the fiasco that's going on. The White House has been a regular patent place lately. For those of you that are under, I don't know, forty, you may not know what patent place is, but it's a soap opera. I could say it's been a regular days of our lives, or, or uh, as the stomach turns. I mean, as the world turns, or. I guess I could say Dallas or uh, Falcon Crest or Dynasty or, you know, it's been a regular, a regular, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of musical beds. It's been a regular, uh, regular uh, emotional soap opera. So anyway, last month, last month was the wife beating accusation surrounding uh, former White House Secretary Rob Porter, who happened to be, apparently has two ex-wives that, you know, uh, were... Uh, his uh his workout partners 
boxing, and uh, he ha- he happened to be dating the White House communications director, Hope Hicks. Now Hope Hicks has resigned amid controversy about her testimony in the Russia probe. And let's see how this went down. The rumor started Tuesday when Hicks closed door testimony frustrated lawmakers because she refused to answer many of the questions. She asserted her Fifth Amendment privilege. So, uh, you know, she's she's right next to Trump a lot. And so she probably has a lot of things that are uh, that are uh, protected under that relationship. She also admitted that that she sometimes tells white lies for the president, which the media had a field day. Oh, my God, we proved it. Somebody's proved it. He lies. Condoleezza Rice was on the uh, was on the View on um, Thursday, and uh, I don't watch the View. It nauseates me every time I do. But uh, Don saw Condoleezza was on the on there there, and she she DVR'd it for me just in case something was. You know, she saw it on there. I don't think Don watches it hardly ever, but she saw that she was going to be on there on something, so she DVR'd it and we watched it. You know what? Those girls are vile. They are, but you know what, Condoleezza Rice, hey, if you guys want a female president, you want a black president, you want a black female president, there's someone who's a class act, Condoleezza Rice. She is smart, and she's uh, wise, and she handles herself well, and uh, there would be, there would be, of course, I don't think she has any political aspirations at this point anymore, but you know, they, they asked her about the white lie thing, and she goes, you know what, I don't know exactly what that means. But have have you ever had your assistant tell someone you were busy when you really weren't because you just didn't want to talk to him? That's a little white lie. And they all go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, I guess that that got him uh, that calm the that calm the the view the view winches down. Um, then Wednesday afternoon, the White House announced that Hicks was resigning. ABC News thought it was important enough to interrupt their daytime shows with a news break with four people giving their giving uh, comments on it. Uh, here's George Stephanopoulos. Hope Hicks has been there from the very beginning, started out uh, sort of as an aide-de-camp, was always by the president's side, arose to communications director in the White House. She has been by his side hours after hour after hour every single day of this presidency. Absolutely every step of the way during this presidency, George, and going back to the dawn of the Trump campaign, she was one of a handful of staffers that was with the president even before he declared he was running for president, single-handedly handling all of his communications, the person by his side at Trump Tower, by his side during the transition, and by his side here at the White House. In fact, George, Hope Hicks' office, and you know the geography of the, of the West Wing quite well, Hope Hicks' office even as she took on the role of communications director, remained right outside the Oval Office. Yeah, it's, it's barely even office. an office. She's basically in the Oval Office suite. And, of course, we see her right there with the chief of the former staff secretary of the White House, Rob Porter. Uh, she had had a personal relationship with him. Of course, he was facing his own questions about his background checks, the background of domestic abuse. That She faced some questions as well for her role in the initial statements about uh, that resignation in his position. Absolutely. And uh, she she was involved in the response, the, the, the public response from the White House to that, even though she had a clear conflict of interest. So one of the many things in, in, in recent weeks that she has been uh, criticized for here at the White House. You notice that every little every little detail of everything that happens in the Trump administration is so viciously dissected. You know what? I don't people didn't seem to mind that that Clinton was having a was having a. Uh, that not sex with Monica Lewinsky in the in the Oval Office. 
uh, when he was in, in office. And we don't mind that anything that Barack Obama did, because if anything that he did, if you criticized him, that made you a racist. And, uh, you know, but Trump is all, you know, er, you know, where it's open season. It's open season on Trump. You know, here's a guy that here's a guy that came to Washington D.C. with no political no political background. You know, he didn't have somebody. He didn't bring in people that were political. Um, I mean, maybe a few. He had Reince Priebus and a couple couple of guys. But in general, he brought people he trusted that he knew. And uh, he's a business guy. And in business, you have certain uh, certain privacies that in politics you don't. And you know, from from that standpoint, hey, you know what? Look at these look at these people that are falling like flies. Let's look at it from Hope Hicks' standpoint. She's twenty nine, which means she's been in there since she's twenty six or twenty seven. And who would want to be in that life? Who would want to be in that life twenty four hours a day? I would imagine you don't have very much of a of a you don't have very much of a of a personal life. I mean, apparently she's seeing. Uh, she was seeing Rob Portman, uh, who was in there too. So that's that's your whole world, is the White House. So, you know, after three years, she's uh, a young, smart uh, lady with uh, with some aspirations of her for her own life. And at some point, she wanted to to step off and go and try something else. You can't hurt. You can't. You can't. Oh, it must be because Trump is going to be mad at her for saying she covered white lies. Oh, the drama. But this soap opera has other players, too. The media has been in an uproar over Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, his government security clearance for the past few weeks. And this week, Chief of Staff John Kelly downgraded Kushner's interim clearance from top secret to secret. Uh, you know what? I think he's in a big group of people that their initial, their interim uh, uh, security clearance is expired. But they're making a big deal out of this because he's the, the president's uh, son-in-law. Uh, here's CBS News on that. Mr. President, on Jared's downgraded clearance, sir, any concerns? President Trump ignored questions about whether his son-in-law, Jared Kushner's high-level security clearance, had been downgraded, effectively shutting off his access to information that, if disclosed, could be damaging to national security. As an advisor to the president, Kushner had been granted interim access to such materials while the FBI completed his background check. The report was delayed after Kushner had to refile his paperwork three times because of undisclosed contacts with foreign nationals. One of those encounters was a June 2016 meeting with a Russian lawyer at Trump Tower, a meeting that is now being examined by special counsel Robert Mueller. He's a valued member of the team and he will continue to do the important work that he's been doing uh, since he started in the administration. Kushner's portfolio includes key foreign policy items like Mideast peace and trade negotiations with Mexico. General Kelly respects Jared a lot. On Friday, President Trump said he'd left the decision on Kushner's security clearance up to the chief of staff, John Kelly. And General Kelly will make that call. I won't make that call. I will let the general who's right here make that call. But Jared's uh, doing some very important things for our country. Kelly put new clearance rules in place after the disclosure that former Staff Secretary Rob Porter had obtained an interim security clearance despite his FBI background check that had revealed domestic abuse allegations by two ex-wives. Yeah, it's uh, overly, overly dramatized here. You can see that, you know, hey, including their... They're examining this meeting, including one in in June of 2016 in the Trump Tower with a with a Russian uh, lawyer. If you remember correctly, that's the one that they're going after uh, after uh, Trump Jr. about because they did the same thing that 
that uh, that everybody did with with the Democrats. Hey, they thought they're getting some uh, some bad stuff on Trump. Hey, a Russian a Russian lady calls up calls up Trump Jr. and says, Hey, we've got some uh, some uh, dirt on Hillary Clinton. We want to come talk to you about. It. Okay, come on. We'll set up a meeting, and he sets up a meeting. Him and Jared Kushner and this uh, Russian lawyer. And when they get up there, all that all it's about is uh, something to do with the I forget the name of the law, but it has something to do with uh, being able to uh, for Americans to adopt Russian babies and uh, that are up for adoption. And uh, they were they were making some some uh, some. Uh, plea for the when Trump gets in in office to change that and from what I, what I remember in the in the story Kushner Kushner was in the meeting and was in there for a couple of minutes and said this is a waste of time and walked out but you know it's they're investigating into this secret meeting he had with a Russian lawyer you know what you guys you guys out there in uh, in TV land and radio land you have you have a uh, very short memories and you can't remember exactly the, the details of what's going on and and they capitalize on this, especially the young Democrats out there and the young Democrat kids. All oh, see, see, see what's going on. No, do you guys think for yourselves? Do you guys ever think? I like to I like to ask my my young people that are around. Do you guys ever listen to this stuff and just think, does this make sense? Does this make sense to you? Meanwhile, Adam Schiff. Hey, for those of you listening in Burbank and San Fernando Valley and uh, wherever else Adam Schiff is, we need to make sure you guys all vote. In May, in two months, we have a primary, and and as far as I know, in every race, the top two vote getters go to the go to the uh, go to the, uh, the the final election. It's not the top Republican against the top Democrat. So you guys need to vote in May, and you need to vote again. In well, it's not. It's just a midterm election. It's not that important. Yes, it is. Let's get rid of this geek. You know, Adam Schiff is an idiot, and uh, we need to get rid of him. And the same thing with Maxine Waters, if you're listening in in her area. And uh, then those of you, uh, I don't think I can, I don't think anybody can hear me up in uh, Nancy Pelosi's area, but certainly in the 41st district, that's Riverside and Moreno Valley. Uh, I'm supporting Asia Smith, who's a uh, a uh, a black girl, ex-military. I know her family. She's uh, very conservative, and uh, I'm standing behind her to get rid of Mark Takano, who's a moron. And I don't, for the life of me, for the life of me, I don't know why he's even how he ever got elected the first time, much less three times. Just goes to show how stupid our voters are. Um, so, those of you listening to me, we need to mobilize and go to the go to the polls. But uh, let's talk about uh, Adam Schiff. Uh, meanwhile, Adam Schiff and his vindictive band, band of Democrat colleagues finally got their rebuttal memo, memo out this week, only to have their story buried by all, by all the news, uh, all the other news, much to their dismay. What was in the memo, as Andrew McCarthy wrote in the National Review this week, the memo hurts Schiff and the Democrats a lot more than it helps. The memo concedes that the FISA warrant uh, application to surveil members of the Trump team was based heavily on Christopher Steele's phony Russian dossier. So they made up a, a phony dossier. They took it to the FISA court and said, "This is the reason we need to uh, we need to be able to bug the phones in the Trump Tower to find out uh, find out about these guys." And uh, it also admits that relying on Russian heavy Russian hearsay sources, who may or may not be lying, about Carter Page's 2016 trip to Moscow. Remember, this trip is the number one piece of ammunition the Dem used to substantiate their claims that the Trump team colluded with Russia. And as the Mueller investigation is going on, we're finding more and more of the people that colluded with Russia are the Democrats and the Hillary campaign. It basically says that the Russian page met, with Mo- met in Moscow 
uh, were promising uh, dirt on Hillary Clinton to help Trump. Uh, and that is the same dirt being pr- promised to Trump volunteer George Papadopoulos, Snuffleupagus, uh, by some mystery by some mystery Australians linked to Russia. We don't know who they are, but they're mysterious Rus- Australians that are linked to Russia. And the biggest way Schiff memo backfired is that it carefully makes excuses for the reasons the FBI and the Department of Justice withheld from the FISA court the fact that Christopher Steele's work was being directly funded by the Clinton campaign. Well, hey, Hillary Clinton paid this guy to write this thing, and look at what he wrote. We need to we need to violate some people's uh, civil rights and their privacy, and we need the court to give us the okay. Uh, but they part left out the part that who who uh, did that. Despite all its flaws, Adam Schiff is proud of his memo. I'm not surprised the president doesn't like it. I'm not surprised, uh, frankly, that the White House tried to bury this memo uh, response as long as they could. But it's important for the public to see the facts that the FBI acted appropriately in seeking a warrant on Carter Page. They're not part of some deep state, as the president apparently would like the public to believe. So uh, is anybody tired of talking about Russia? I am. What, what I'm even more tired of is paying for all these guys to focus all their time on Russia when they can be focusing their time on, uh, I don't know, stopping uh, stopping uh, whack job mental cases from buying guns uh, and maybe uh, defending defending uh, our, our children in school when uh, the guns go into the schools. Uh, but well, let's talk about that next. So uh, we know we've been talking about the um, talking about the the attack in uh, in Parkland, Florida, um, two weeks ago. Remember the CNN town hall of, on gun control last week where the families of Parkland, Florida spent 90 minutes yelling at Senator Marco Rubio and the NRA's Dana Lash, uh, and their chief law enforcer, Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel, joined in. Listen to one of the smug things the sheriffs got the biggest applause lines from the town hall. I understand you're standing up for the NRA, and I understand that's what you're supposed to do. But you just told this group of people that you are standing up for them. You're not standing up for them until you say, I want less weapons. You're not standing up for them until you say, I want less weapons. It's kind of drowned out by the, by the uh, applause. You know, is, this is a cop saying this. Cops should, cops should be pro-weapons by good people because they know when seconds count. They can make it there in a few minutes. Well, now that we knew that the Broward County's office received no less than 45 calls related to shooter Nicholas Cruz over the last nine years, the smug sheriff isn't looking so good anymore. And even though he let Sheriff Israel get away with the, so with the showboating during the, during the town hall, CNN's Jake Tapper finally held him accountable this week. Do you think that if the Broward Sheriff's office had done things differently, this shooting might not have happened? Listen, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, uh, you know, uh, O.J. Simpson would still be in the record books. I don't know what that means. There's 17 dead people and there's a whole long list of things your department could have done differently. Yeah, you know, does that mean? Yeah, and if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his ass when he hopped. Yeah, it sounds to me like uh, he's got a little cute line that ifs and buts were candy and nuts. Uh, Isn't that cute? You know, we're talking about uh, someone who killed 17 kids. Well, uh, 15 kids and two adults. Let's hear some more of his uh, of his stupidity. Are you really not taking any responsibility for the multiple red flags that were brought to the attention of the Broward Sheriff's Office about this shooter before the incident, whether it was people near him, close to him, calling the police? Jay, Jay, I, could, 
Jake, I could only take responsibility for what I knew about. I exercise my, my due diligence. I've given amazing leadership to this agency. Amazing leadership? Uh, I've worked. Yes, Jake. Yeah, he gave them amazing leadership, we know, because he just told us. Then there's a report that Officer Scott Peterson, who stood armed outside the building for four minutes and never went in. On Tuesdays, Peterson's lawyer released a statement that said, calling Peterson a coward is unfair because he was following department's protocol. Sheriff Israel won't take responsibility for that either. I gave him a gun. I gave him a badge. I gave him the training. If he didn't have the heart to go in, that's not my responsibility. Oh, man. Talk about no accountability. We need some change in this country, folks. Hey, I'm out of time for part one. Coming back right after this, we're going to talk to uh, Beth Bauman from uh, townhall.com. Don't go away. Five minutes of traffic, weather, and, and uh, commercials. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk a lot about uh, mortgages on this show because I find that you guys think it's kind of boring unless you're actually in the market for it. But if you haven't refinanced, you probably waited too long. <laughs> but if you need cash out, you want to refinance your house, your investment property, your uh, your vacation homes, or you need to buy a new one, rent out your old one, you need to buy a new one for your kids to move into so they can move out of your garage apartment and you can put your cars back in the garage. Or, you know, if you want to get one of those reverse mortgage things, hey, well, how's that thing work? I don't know. You better call Ed Hoffman. Call me 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk on the phone, wccloans.com, and uh, we can talk. So the first half of the show, we were talking talking about, uh, well, everything soap opera-like and into the uh, shooting and the gun control that everybody's talking about. We've been talking about it for like three weeks since uh, – since that happened, um, I told you last week. Told you last week that I was a- able to uh, participate in a uh, in a focus group with Frank Luntz, and it aired last Friday night on uh, HBO Vice News. A um, lot of lot of feedback on that. You know, we we talked for two hours there. It was uh, rather colorful at times and rather heated at times, and they whittled it down to eight minutes. and And I kind of uh, you know got a lot of response. Got a lot of response, and uh, one thing I noticed: hey, there's a girl in there that sure got a lot of, a lot of uh, FaceTime. We're going to talk about that at the end of this segment about that people's opinion on it. But um, in addition to the HBO, the segment picked up some extra coverage in Townhall.com, and as my guest today, I have the writer of that piece, Beth Bauman, and uh, she's got a new story that's on Townhall this week about the Supreme Court turn- turning down a major Second Amendment case here in California. Beth, welcome back to the main event. Hey, Ed. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Last time we talked, you were live in the studio, but since uh, you uh, got married and moved up to uh, the snowy part of the snowy part of the, the country in uh, beautiful Idaho, uh, we have to talk yes. on the phone now. Yes, yes. I'm, you know, I'm happy to be out of California, and it's nice to actually live somewhere that respects, you know, the Constitution. Amazing concept. Yeah, I've been thinking that a lot lately, too. I'm thinking, uh, but I've got... I've got a, you know, if Don and I leave California, we've got three kids and two grandkids here that we have to, we have to relocate. I guess, I guess the kids are as close as Southwest Airlines is if we move to, uh, to uh, Texas or we have a house in Arizona, uh, but we, I guess we could buy a house anywhere we want. 
I guess yep. we, I guess we could do that. I just haven't. I've been uh, been in California all my life, so I just haven't taken that jump. But they're pushing me. They're pushing me in some stupid stuff that uh, that our governors. You know, it's only ten more months in office, but we need to push him out. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I obviously appreciate the Supreme Court, but I don't follow them as closely as I'd like to. And I know you're a Supreme Court junkie. We haven't heard much about this case uh, because it's been overshadowed by the coverage of the school shooting uh, gun debate. Uh, but it's an interesting Second Amendment case that the court refused to take on. Tell us about it, Beth. So the Supreme Court actually turned down um, a challenge to California's 10-day waiting period. Um, there was a guy, a gun owner down, I believe he's in San Diego, named Jeff Silverstein, and he partnered with the CalGuns Foundation, um, and he wanted to basically challenge the appellate court's decisions and take it to the Supreme Court, um, they're arguing that the 10-day waiting period that California has is too long and basically unnecessary for gun owners who already have a firearm. Um, so they're arguing that they believe that the cooling-off period wouldn't keep a criminal from committing a crime if he or she already possesses a gun. Kind of a no-brainer, no-brainer case. Um, so this is kind of another um, another time where the Supreme Court is basically dodging dodging trying to take you know any second amendment cases and really trying to stay out of the gun control debate so so was that was that new law if they wanted to get rid of the 10-day waiting period was it only going to be for people that already owned firearms or is going to be for everybody because people already own fire firearms well well and see that's it, it it would really depend on how the Supreme Court ruled and what their decision said. And so that's why they didn't they didn't take it up. Um, they kicked it back and said, nope, um, we're, we're not even hearing the case. Um, they haven't heard any Second Amendment cases since 2010. Um, and even the 2010 case of McDonald versus City of Chicago um, was a 5-4 decision that basically ruled that people have the right to keep and bear arms in their home. Um, and that clarified a 2008 case, um, District of Columbia v. Heller, which is very, very um, continually referenced by Second Amendment supporters. Um, it was a 5-4 case that said the Second Amendment protects an individual's right to have a firearm to defend themselves in their home. Um, so basically, they're really trying to stay out of the waters of anything dealing with concealed carry, anything um, that really further would set precedent on what the Second Amendment means. Um, so we don't know what that would mean um, and how they would decide. So right now, it's kind of open to interpretation. I think the Supreme Court understands that if you take away California, this whole country is gun-toting right-wing wackos like us. <laughs> basically i mean like i live here in idaho and we're a constitutional carry state meaning if you're a resident you can legally open or concealed carry a a firearm without a license and so a lot of states are are following suit with that i know so, yeah. i have i have a house in arizona and in arizona everything's open you're you can't conceal carry without a permit but you can open carry so hey open you can carry, carry a gun as long as everybody can see it 
exactly. we don't want to get surprised. You have to have a permit to be to have the concealed carry. So what what what's your feeling on the on the cooling off period? My you know my feeling on the on the on the ten day wait because I can buy guns in Arizona because I have house there and so I have an Arizona ID. I can walk in there and they swipe my Arizona ID. It runs a FBI check on me in about two or three minutes, and they say, "Okay, thank you, sir. Here's your gun. Thank you." Bye. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very different um, because I've bought a gun here in Idaho. And then I didn't purchase a firearm in California, but I had um, a, a gun transferred to me from my dad when I was in California. And it's just very interesting. Uh, you know, California requires a handgun safety card and you take a little test and it's like 20 questions. And there are probably the 20th stupidest questions you could even imagine their common sense i mean you know if you're going to load your gun which way do you point do you point it do you point it at someone do you point it at the ground do you point it at an object i mean it's just very common sense things that you really don't have to study for um and then here in idaho yes it only took me well the, the initial time i bought my gun it probably took me 20 minutes because they had to input all of my information, but once I'm in the system, because I have a clean background, it comes back in, like you said, two or three minutes. So, you know, it's it's completely different depending on where you are at the state, the state's laws. Um, I personally don't think a cooling off period makes any difference. Um, look at these nut jobs who go and legally purchase firearms and use them for massacres. They're patient. These people spend months and months and months some years planning out their attacks, an extra 10 days to get the firearm isn't going to stop them. All oh. that's doing is is keeping law-abiding gun owners who pass background checks to want them for good. All it does is keep them from obtaining them. Well, I know for me it's real hassle because uh, it's time I have to renew my concealed carry in a couple of months, and I have a gun I really like, but I bought in Arizona, and last time I qualified with three guns and two of them I bought in Arizona because it's just easier there and so I can only carry my one gun so this time I went out and bought the same gun and I've been meaning to do it for for months but I always think about it on Sunday morning and uh, Vince at Bullseye Sport is closed on Sunday so it's always a hassle for me to go down there so I finally made myself go down there but now I have to wait until next Monday to pick it up which means I have to make a second trip and typically I don't ever leave Moreno Valley except for the Record this show on Friday mornings and uh, to go on vacation. So uh, I try to uh, I try to stay in that three three mile perimeter between uh, <laughs> between my house and my office all the time, and uh, so it's it's a hassle. And and from what I'm told, I don't think they do much. I mean, it's they run your background check, which takes about two or three minutes, and then uh, you just sit there for ten minutes and take up uh, space in the in the gun stores. Uh, a storage cabinet. Exactly. I yeah. I mean, it just sits there for 10 days. And as we can see by uh, some of the things that happened in Florida, that federal background check really apparently doesn't check too much because they sure missed. They sure missed. They had a whack job on their hands there with, uh, uh, I, I won't say, uh, I won't say Nicholas Cruz's name because we don't want to give him any uh, publicity. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I did it. Um, so, I mean, you had a, you had a clear whack job if they actually did any background check. I mean, hey, you know what? Hey, background checks, if we're actually going to do some work, it's going to cost some money. Okay, charge 25 bucks for it then. That's a, mm-hmm. that's you'd, you'd think that might do something. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. Okay, so anyway, you pointed out that Clarence Thomas was the only just so on Heller Heller and McDonald cases, you said they were they were uh, f- uh four uh, five, 5 to 4. Yes. 5 to 4, so you had just one one uh one vote tipping the tipping the uh, scale there. But you pointed out that uh that uh, with the dissenting opinion on the case uh, Justice Thomas Justice Thomas was the only one dissenting opinion. He said He's quoted as saying, "The Second Amendment is disfavored is a disfavored right in this court." What do you think he means by that? Well, it's very obvious. Look at who Obama appointed to the Supreme Court: um, Kagan, Sotomayor. They're hardcore liberals. They're anti-gun people. They're people who favor gun control. Um, you know, basically them kicking any kind of Second Amendment cases back is their way of basically saying, you don't want us to take take this up because it ain't going to rule and it, it's not going to go in your favor. It's going to go in the favor of gun control advocates. And um, Justice Thomas is very clear in making his opinion known that his colleagues are not in favor of the Second Amendment. Oh, okay. Because I, I, I took it as I took it as saying, hey, uh, you don't, you don't get any, you don't get any favors here. Uh, that you know that he was, he was stating his opinions. He was saying it's disfavored right in this court. Uh, not saying that he stands behind that. He was saying that unfortunately my my uh, uh, my colleagues don't think you guys should have the right to bear arms. Well, yeah, that's exactly what he said. And there's also another quote from him, and he says, quote, if a lower court treated another right so cavalierly, I have little doubt this court would intervene. But as evidenced by our continued inaction in this area, the Second Amendment is a disfavored right in this court, unquote. So that's exactly, um, you know, if this was the First Amendment, if anybody who's right to free speech was being trampled on, this court would take it up in no time. Um, but because the Second Amendment is such a divisive issue, the court just doesn't even want to touch it, which is really, really sad because that's their whole job. That means uh, they just like our Congress is a bunch of wusses. They're they're worried about what people are going to say rather than how they real fi- really feel. Yep, exactly. Okay, so I want to urge everyone in California who's interested in Second Amendment rights to check out Beth's article at townhall.com. This week, President Trump held another bipartisan meeting with members of Congress to talk about gun reforms, where there are a lot of different potential bills were discussed. As the president said, he believes we need one clean gun reform bill, which in my eyes means don't try to pack in a, uh, uh, you know, long, uh, late-term abortions into a, into a little uh, into a little footnote, and don't try to put in uh, some extra money to. Uh, to uh, uh, build a, uh, a you know a, a McDonald's at the border for the for the illegal aliens coming over, so they won't be thirsty, they can stop and get a soda. Um, he wants one clean, one great piece of legislation. Tell us about the bills that are being drafted or up or uh, updated for uh, consideration right now. So right now, one of the big ones is Fix Nix. That seems to be, excuse me, a very bipartisan bill that a lot of people. Um, seem to agree on both the NRA backs it, every town for gun safety. Um, really, the only um, opponent we've seen of it is Gun um, Owners of America. Um, and what this bill does is it goes in and um, it it fixes the National Instant Background Check System reporting requirements. As of right now, only 38 states report 
80% of their convictions. So 38 out of our 50 states are reporting their convictions, and that leaves a huge, huge number of convictions that aren't being reported to the background check system. So if, you know, say you go and commit a crime, you beat your wife, whatever, and your state fails to report that conviction, you can legally buy a gun because when your background check is completed, it doesn't, it's not flagged. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I believe it was the, the Texas church shooter. Um, the Air Force failed to report his Dishonorable um, his crime. Ex- exactly. Um, so this would mandate state and federal agencies to report those requirements and give incentives, um, like some federal funding for them to do that. Um, so that's a really big one. The only reason Gun Owners of America is opposed to it is because they don't believe there should be a background check system at all. But the reality is we have it and it's not going anywhere. Well, I say, um, I say it either we either need to make it effective or get rid of it. And, uh, exactly. Because it's, and, it's and useless the way it, it is, is now. I mean, make it whole. I mean, most gun owners are okay with the background check system. We realize, you know, okay, it's here. Including um, including the NRA, the NRA supports it as well. Yes, the NRA are huge supporters of it. They've been talking about this for the last 20 years. Um, and Dana Lash brought it up again at the CNN town hall with the Parkland students and reiterated that point. Um, so now we're seeing even more of a push with this bill that was actually originally brought in, I believe, in 2016. It was definitely here last year in 2017. Um, and then the Tommy Manch- uh, Mansion um, Senate bill is also being floated around. Um, that was actually a bill that failed in 2013. Um, and I'm still kind of trying to read the legislation on that. It hasn't been reintroduced. Um, but my concern with it is that the last time it was introduced, it was introduced as an amendment to the assault weapons ban. And um, if there's any kind of legislation attached to an assault weapons ban, then obviously gun owners are opposed to that. Um, But supposedly it is a piece of legislation that would make background checks um, required by private parties. So we constantly hear about the gun show loophole and how people legally buy guns at gun shows, which isn't the case. If they buy through a, you know, a store, say someone like Vince goes to a gun show, they still have to go through a background check because Vince is an FFL. But if me as a private citizen is, is selling a gun to you as a private citizen, there doesn't necessarily have to be a background check. Now that varies by state. Um, obviously in places like California, there still is a background check. But in other states, it's so just the, a private the, party these, transfer. Is these big gun, big gun shows are private parties able to set up booths there, or is it only uh, only dealers? Um, it really depends. It it really is up to whatever the people who are organizing it do. Um, most of the big gun shows are actually FFLs, and then you know there may be like a couple people here and there, like, hey, I have my grandfather's gun, I don't want anymore, so I'm gonna have a little table and try to sell it. Um, that's everything I've I've ever seen. Um, but the left is quick to say gun show loopholes, gun show loopholes, and 
I know it's, everyone. I've, everybody I've talked to, I haven't been to a gun show since before I owned a gun. Now it's if I want a gun. I mean, I'm, I have a hard enough time. I, I tell Don, hey, we're going to stop this thing and look at some guns. I want to pick up some some ammo while we're here in Arizona. Oh, goody. Okay, this is going to be two hours, and I'm looking at guns. I can't imagine being in, in a big gun show and being all day looking at guns. Oh, I want that one. I want this one. I, you know, I, <laughs> I could spend thousands of dollars on stuff that I probably will never get a chance to to shoot anybody with, but because um, I'm, I'm a concealed carry, had my background check done, and you know, I just don't shoot at people because I'm not a moron. I mean, I'm not a mental case. I'm sorry. Um, but you think, but you know, I hear everybody say, "Hey, the gun show loophole." People that don't even know squat about what they're talking about. Oh yeah, but what about the gun show loophole? What gun show loophole? Everybody I know that says, you know, unless you bump into somebody in the aisles and say, "Hey, buddy, you want to buy this gun?" But you could do that out in the parking lot. You could do that. You could do that to. I mean, I bought. I could do that anywhere. I bought my first gun from my neighbor around the corner. And he goes, hey, I got a Beretta. I haven't used it in a long time. You want to buy it all? You know, it's probably worth $500. I'll sell it to you for $300. Okay. And he goes, well, we got to go down to the gun store and do the transfer. Okay. So I went down there and bought a new gun and bought his gun and bought a bought a shotgun. Those are my first gun purchases. And uh, and that's how it went. But I suppose he could have just said, hey, give me three bills and here's the gun. And uh, I guess that could happen. But that kind of stuff could happen anywhere. It's- well, yeah. And that's the thing that kills me about some of these gun control laws. The people who don't follow these laws are criminals. The very definition of being a criminal is someone who doesn't follow the laws. I don't understand why lefties think that, hey, pass another law and suddenly this criminal is going to follow the law. They're not going to suddenly follow the law. We need to stop looking at it from a law-abiding point of view and start looking at it as the criminals do. The whole point of being a criminal is you commit crimes, you don't follow the law. Exactly. That's so we the just very have to, definition of it. <laughs> we have to we have to stop them. And you know, you think on the fixed next things. You know, at our office, we have these things on everybody's desk. They're called computers, and there's software up in the server rooms, or sometimes in the cloud. I have to ask my IT guys. Say, what happens to all our data when when it's a clear day? Because we have all this stuff in the cloud. I don't understand where it all goes. But uh, you know. In a in a world of computers, why do we have thirty eight only thirty eight states participate, and thirty eight percent of thirty eight states participate? You'd think we could make computers just automatically upload these things. We just put a little put a little trigger in the computer in the software programs to where they automatically report. Because it's the government, and the government is ten years behind all the rest of us. It just makes too much sense. I mean, it, it makes so much sense that it, I don't even understand why we're having to argue about this. I mean, we literally have gun rights groups saying, here is something that we can all get behind. And still we have gun control groups going, but we have to argue about it for the sake of arguing about it. And, you know, none of us want... None of us want a crazy person to get a hold of a gun and to do something tragic like that happened in Florida. That has happened in Arizona. That has happened in Washington. We don't want to see that. And I think I think that this notion that gun owners want this is, is part of the problem. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense. You would think that that would just be an automatic thing. But, you know, anything that makes sense to us in the private sector 
is just a world of hassle in the government because and you need 12 approvals. It's an, oppor- <laughs> it's an opportunity for Democrat people to get on their soapbox to get somebody emotional behind social issues so they can get votes, so they can get some exactly. votes. Exactly. Hey, I know I know exactly. I talked about I know I talked about the Vice News focus group last week. Uh, but since you wrote about it, Beth, I wanted to get your take on this part. Frank Luntz allowed me to have the last word. He didn't tell me I was having the last word. For some reason, he put me as the last word when he edited it. Um, and it was it was a response to this Phoebe Fay lady uh, who all who, who I don't apparently I don't think she he liked her too much because she showed up 45 minutes late and Frank was kind of grouchy when we did this. Let me play this clip and get your opinion. <laughs> I am scared to death of my nephews and my kids being in school now because they're not taking action to protect the kids. You guys, if the government stays complacent, it is going to escalate. If they ban all guns, would you feel safer for your nephew and niece in school? You know, I, I would. You would? You're crazy. And there it ended. How did you? How, what was your opinion on that ending for the segment? What do you think Frank was trying to say? Um, definitely. By the way, it was edited. It was made that his point of view was very clear, and he agreed with gun owners on this. Banning all guns isn't isn't going to do anything. Um, I, 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 she absolutely amazed me in this segment. I mean, she said she's a member of the NRA, but. You know, she, well, she also asked about, you know, machine guns and how civilians could get machine guns. Yeah, I thought, I so thought, uh, clear- I thought Frank was <laughs> trying to make her look stupid because he was, he was really, well, I hope everybody can stay late because we're starting late. And, uh, you know, there's 14 of us and he, he's waiting for her because he want, didn't want to have all guys. You want to have at least one girl that. Yeah, uh, I noticed that there should have been a few more ladies in there. Well, my wife, least, you know, my least. wife was there, but she didn't want to go on camera. And uh, David Horsepool, who's a local attorney here, his sister was there, who is also an attorney. But they sat in the background because they didn't want to be on the camera. They could have been there. Hey, apparently we're out of time for this uh, this segment. Uh, Beth, thanks for coming on the main event. Thanks for uh, doing all you do on Town Hall. And uh, we'll have Thank you back you again. We'll have you back yeah, again soon. Good. Okay, guys, Thanks. I'm out of time. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. And I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 09699.